thunder will rain. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Joining me today, we have Dan Pierce. Welcome back, Dan. How's it going? Pretty good. Missed ya. Missed ya. Also, Mel, it's great to have you back as well. Hey, hey. It's been a while since we talked about television or film because the last episode was my BlizzCon recap. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, go back and see what it was like for me to go to my first BlizzCon. I had a lot of fun. Um, So today we're going to just sort of keep it casual and discuss what everyone is loving. The one thing we'll start with is maybe movies because I know everybody has watched Thor. Mel? Mm Mm-hmm. Other than Hemsworth going shirtless, what did you love most about <laughs> Thor? Um, what did I love most? I would say besides Hemsworth going shirtless, I liked that the comedy was back. Because for me, a lot of these Marvel movies, while I do enjoy them, they've been, you know, kind of shying away from the comedy. You know, the first Avengers was I always kind of set that as the top right there. And it was like a good mix of comedy and action and comic books and all that. But I felt like in this movie, like I genuinely laughed and I was like, it's about time. Where has the comedy been? Because I missed it. Um, I also liked all of the interactions with the Hulk. Um, I thought yes. all of that was great too. Um, it, it was it was funny, but you know we saw him talk his Hulk, which we haven't seen a lot in the other movies. So I like that a lot. The battles were great as well. So that was probably my favorite moments from the new Thor. And what did you think of uh, the Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson? Oh, she's great. Can we get her all the time? Right. I liked her a lot. And the fact that her character's drunk all of the time is even more fantastic. So, yeah, no, she was great. Great addition. Did not feel like she was off or anything like that. I loved her. I sort of feel like Jeff Goldblum needs to be his own portion of our discussion, just separate <laughs> from everything else. So before we get to Jeff Goldblum, Dan, what did yeah. you think of this film and the cast? I I enjoyed it. I I have to confess, this is my first Thor movie. It's a good one to start with because the other two aren't as good as this one. The first one's okay. The second one is a little bit of a... Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of went into the Avengers universe in the wrong order. But for overall, I thought it was pretty okay. I, I really enjoyed the Hulk. I enjoyed uh, Bruce Banner, which are considered two different people in this uh, in this film. And that's kind of interesting, that little dynamic they have going on. Uh, I loved Thor, and I loved him being knowledgeable and kind of Bruce Banner, like teaching Bruce Banner more about Asgard kind of thing, because for so much of things, it's like opposite, sort of. Um, I loved having Loki as not evil, um, wait, wait, wait. That w- wait, 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 how do you have low? How do you know that Loki's not evil if you haven't watched the first two? 
Because I saw the Avengers. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a second here. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I saw the Avengers. So I'm like, I enjoyed him now in in a not evil role. That was cool. I liked the uh, supporting character. uh, Was it Cork? Yes. Yeah, no, he was great. I, I really liked him. Um, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie was fantastic. Um, really enjoyed like Kate Blanchett was pretty good, you know, as, as uh, pretty good. She was hella awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. I, I appreciate Yeah, I was going to say, um, Seeing Odin die was kind of jarring. I'm like, oh, hey, look, it's Odin. This is the first time I'm meeting you, and now you're dead. Um, <laughs> and that's so, where missing the other two is sort of important. Yeah, and then uh, Doctor Strange's cameo was nice. Yes, uh, it was. It was. Uh, and I really want to learn more about uh, Idris Elba's character. I want to see what he's about. Um, can we get him in the in the future movies because they're already whispers of four. Um, he's been it, in all, it, he's been in all three. So I would suspect mm. that he'll be in whatever other Thor movies come out. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Uh, it, and it's also interesting. Like, I don't want to steal the thunder, but it's interesting seeing this juxtaposed, uh, weekend by weekend with, um, Justice, Justice League? League. Oh yes. Very um, interesting. I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, go ahead, Luke. Um, we will get to Justice League because I have not watched it yet either, but the reviews that I have seen have been mixed by the critics. Fans seem to like the, a lot of fans seem to enjoy um, it if you're just a fan, but I'm not sure whether or not fans love of Justice League is more based on the fact that all the other ones have been show, so crappy that other than Wonder Woman, that the bar is so low, anything that is above Batman v Superman is an improvement. But we will see. I will have more commentary on that in a future episode, I'm sure. I loved Thor. Absolutely loved it. It and the first Gar- and the and the first Guardians of the Galaxy are now probably oh and the first Iron Man are probably my three favorite and then followed by um uh Captain America, basically the Avengers film, whose actual title slips my mind at the moment. This was a blast. I love the humor. I love the action. The characters were great. Anybody who knows me and has listened to me podcast knows I love an evil bitch villain. So Kate Blanchett was fantastic. Like I'm going to have to get the Funko Pop because that is going to be a great character to have in my collection. Um, Chris Hemsworth is so good at comedy. Uh, Idris Elba, it was nice to see him in a different role in this film than he has in the previous two. I mean, the fact that his character has evolved, I enjoyed that. Carl Urban as Skurg, he's one of those actors who I really enjoy him, but sometimes he can almost push it too far. And in this case, I think he just borderline was on the borderline of doing that. Mark Ruffalo was fantastic. 
he, every time he's on as the Hulk, I enjoy it. And because he brings so much nuance to Bruce Banner, but then the fact that the CGI has improved with the Hulk, I know we made a little bit of fun on a previous podcast with the, like the first shots of this new Hulk, but it worked out really well. And I enjoyed it. I loved Loki is even though Loki was a little, he wasn't evil in this one and he was still a trickster, but I loved how they played Thor knowing what he was going to do before he did it. And I, I liked that twist a lot. Um, the fact that Thor isn't all just brawn and beauty. He's got a few brains in there, too. I, I appreciated that. Out of five stars, what would you give this, Mel? I'm going to go um, 3.95. Oh, come on. Okay, you can't just <laughs> r- round it up to four. And why not? Okay. You make up the rules all the time. I'm doing it today. <laughs> okay, okay. Dan, what about you? I think I once saw you on a podcast rate something 3.78. So I, I think now, Mel's rating listen, is okay. I can neither confirm nor deny that that ever happened. Primarily because I've recorded so many podcasts over the, pa- over a de- the past decade that I don't remember. It's entirely possible. That's fair. Uh, I'll rate it uh, 3.5. I, I thought it was v- like very okay. It, you know, it was fun. It was good. But it was like it didn't necessarily stand out as much as I would have liked it to. Um, I well, actually, if you're only giving this a 3.5, I can't wait to find out what you're giving Justice League. After your rating, I have thoughts on that. <laughs> okay. General I have, thoughts. I, I, very have, general. I, I have not given a rating on Justice League because I have not seen it. I'm only reacting to the reviews and reaction that I've seen online. But I know that you are the only one amongst us who has seen it. So without spoiling it so that Mel doesn't have to come up through her speaker to get you, um, she already almost did that with Inhumans. What did you think? I was in shock how good it was. I like Ooh. I was in legitimate shock after the movie. I had to go read all of the things that were deleted and or reshot or rewritten because Joss Whedon, the old like the old version that Zack Snyder was trying to perpetrate on people was really bad. And he made it more. What? Pal- a Zack Snyder DC film bad. Um, let's just talk about <laughs> Zack Snyder films in general. Other than 300 bad. What are you yeah. talking about? I can't imagine that. You know how the first, like, the Batman v Superman did the whole, like, it it felt like cameos for the sake of cameos. Like, we're trying to introduce all of these different things, but they don't really fit within the context of the story they're telling. Mm -hmm. That's what they were trying to do with, like, each and every side character. Like, we, we, they introduce you to some side characters, but not all of them. And they're really selective on the ones they do introduce. Um, whereas before it was just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to, we're, we're going to bring up everyone. Iris is going to be here. There's a green lantern somewhere. Like uh, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, but in this, it's very, it's pretty contained and it makes me think that I can't imagine solo movies without this cast. So that's my big question, because Aquaman is one of my favorite DC Universe characters. 
and they do him I, well. And I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Momoa or Jason Momoa in the film. Yes. But my concern is not having seen it. If this is a film that I don't enjoy, is Jason Momoa as Aquaman going to be enough in his own independent film to stand alone the same way Gal Gadot does? in Wonder Woman. That is my biggest concern because if this doesn't end up being that good, can Jason Momoa survive it? Uh, it, it depends on the angle they take. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but it just like they, they do a lot to compare the, um, the Atlanteans and the Amazons, and if they write them similarly, it should be okay. But they don't do enough in this movie to really juxtapose them enough. Okay. Yes. I the the one the other thing that I've heard about the film is that the CGI is not that great in some of the areas. A lot of the scenery uh, CGI is needs to be fixed. They really need to figure out how to CGI Kansas. Like that that might be the most egregious uh CGIing because it clearly looks like they're in front of a green screen during some of like the sunrise shots. See, and I was wondering about that because in um in Wonder Woman, the last part of Wonder Woman when they had the big fight, the CGI for the uh, for the villain was the weakest part of Wonder Woman for me. And so when I started hearing that crop up in Justice League, I'm like, well, here we go again. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I probably didn't look at it close enough. I'm going to have to watch this movie again because different friend groups and whatnot. So I'll keep an eye out for it. But I also am not sold on how they... Uh, how how they make Barry run. Yeah, so tell me about Barry, because I'm a big fan of Grant Gustin, and I think they should have used Grant Gustin. How did that turn out? He, like... Does, if he, it does he personify the Flash the way one would expect him to? He, he puts a different spin on Barry Allen. Uh, it's a very early early Barry Allen. Like, this is how I would imagine, like, before meeting Cisco Ramon and Caitlin Snow, Barry Allen. Um, I'm, I'm not sold, but also, like, he has his moments. It's just the way the CGI makes the suit look. It, it's like he fits into Power Rangers really well. Ooh, he fits in. Not that like, Power Rangers was bad, but there's a different level of expectation for the Flash versus Power Rangers. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it, it's completely different. It's just like he has some of the moments that you would see Grant Gustin do, where like he's trying to talk to the team and he's running, and those are okay. But when it's just him trying to be a hero. It, it's something that he has never done before because he's like, and like Batman tries to help him a little bit in terms of like giving him confidence. It just, it doesn't rain true because, well, this is, this is probably the weakest Batman film you'll find. Okay. 
Well, um, I'll obviously let uh, Mel ask any questions that she has, but one last question about CGI since we're trying to uh, dance around the story. Yes. Cyborg, because in the trailers, Cyborg CGI looks ganky. Um, I, I thought it looked really good. I wasn't uh, sure how to be in the film. film. In the film, it looks good. And they do, like... So originally Zack Snyder had like a lot of other parts to Cyborg's story where it's like, okay, we're watching him play football. We're watching him interact with his mom and his dad is absent. Why is his dad absent? Um, but the rewrites and the reshoots where it's other things in the story are a lot better and do a lot more for learning about him as a character rather than introducing his entire world because we can if they do get to a cyborg movie they'll have time to do that they don't need to do that in this movie and that's kind of the theme of the original script versus the rewrites okay like yeah we're getting small sample sizes that do really good for the characters that make you want to learn more in their individual movies mel do you have any questions for dan can you tell which parts were originally Zack Snyder and which parts are Whedon? Like, do some feel differently while you're watching it? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's a lot of more quips. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely... That's textbook Whedon. Um, okay. There... I think the way that a lot of the action scenes take place, they make Superman super enjoyable. So, there... For Superman, I've pretty much thought that every film he's been in since he premiered makes him look like he either has a stick up his ass or he's constipated. Um, was he that way in this? And more importantly, the CGI for getting rid of his mustache—I've heard that I like—I've read that that's also a little suspect. Oh, it's 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 incredibly dumb. Like you could clearly tell <laughs> that's a CGI upper lip that I they have on his temple. I don't understand. How do you spend this much money on a film to screw something up like a mustache because you're having to CGI it out. Wouldn't you spend the time to get the CGI right? You know, I, I, I don't know. I just I feel like it had been much easier to make him in his other movie just wear a fake mustache because... <laughs> Well, I or, just feel or, like that'd be a lot pay, easier. Or to pay that studio how many ever millions of dollars it would have been for them to put their film on pause so that he could shave it off and regrow it. Not even that. Like, it can't be. They have gone so far and so, done so many things with makeup. You telling me we can't give this man a fake mustache every day? Like, come on, man. It's, it's pretty messed up. But, like, they, they write... Uh, Superman really well and there's only like a few scenes where he does do the whole stick up his butt thing um, but once once he's with the team everything's okay and how is the team dynamic is it what you would look for in a Justice League or is it lacking yes yes it's very good um, it makes it it does a like a good job of bringing Bruce and Diana out as leaders um, just because they're the ones that have the most experience on the team. So they're really, they, 
shine really strongly as leaders. Um, I would have liked a little bit more from Aquaman. I don't think it was quite proportional enough. I mean, he's a king. And they never treat him as a king. That's the problem because Mm. he always feels like he's rejecting his kingness. Even when he visits Atlantis, it seems like he's rejecting it, which is a whole other story. Um, but probably to be yeah. dealt with in the, his film. Okay. Exactly. Uh, Mel, what mm-hmm. are you loving in TV these days? Is it the Berlanti verse? Is it Riverdale? What are you most excited about in TV? The gifted. Okay. That show is fantastic. I originally was a little skeptical about it because it, it's Fox, so Fox is either hit or miss. It's either real good or it's going to be real bad. So I was like, uh, I mean, we'll give it a shot. Let's see how it goes. And I was totally blown away. I haven't had a chance to talk about it on this podcast, so I'm about to go in. Totally blown away. From the first 10 seconds, you were hooked on this show. I love the way that they do all the mutants. You get to see their personalities. You get to see how each mutant uses their power for good and or bad um i like how we have also infused the humans into it Stephen warrior and his wife whoever her her name is on the show it escapes me at the moment um i think the cast is really strong as well even the kids the kids that play um andy and lauren i think they're really strong too and i like all of the little x-men easter eggs into it you know the fact that the mutant services, the mutant police are basically call, are called Sentinel services. I was like, oh, that's that's a good touch. Um, Marco, the guy who does all the the light, uh, his ringtone was the old yep. X Men cartoon uh, theme song. I was like, oh my gosh, y'all are giving me everything I need, and like just touching on it, not you know exploiting it for everything it is, just touching on it. I love the nuance on this show and it keeps me entertained because you can see all of these things actually happening you know them hiding away mutants and they have their whole underground and they're trying to get people there but we see there's the main cop who can't stand the mutants because you know they killed his daughter but he can't you know his anger is fueling him and he can't see past that these are actual good people you know they're not bad it's just things go wrong it's going to happen you have a whole world full of mutants so i love all of that and then introducing this character the shady doctor who is you know like william striker and doing tests on mutants and you see he's controlling them already and everything i love this show i look forward to it Every Monday. The fact that it's on a Monday, I think that's a big deal, too, and that it's doing well on a Monday as well. So this is a great show. If y'all aren't watching, please watch it. It is on Hulu. Watch it. What are you thinking of Riverdale? Because I'm pretty sure I'm caught up with that. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, Riverdale, the elements are there, but I'm having a little bit of the same problem that I have or, or that I had with The Walking Dead in various seasons of The Walking Dead, which was, I love them as a group, but when they're split up, and in Mm -hmm. this case it's Jughead, and even Betty to some extent, because because with the plot of her basically being only talking to the serial killer and nobody else, and how he's trying to separate her from her friends, between that storyline and then Jughead being um, on the south side. And I feel like there's 
too much separation. We're only in the second season of this show. I would like to see more of the interpersonal play. And on The Walking Dead, the episodes I liked the least was when they were apart. I mean, more than like you would always have the primary group and then you would have like maybe one character out on a separate mission. And I'm totally okay with that. You need to have story. You need to drive story. But when the seasons where they sent a lot of characters in a whole bunch of different directions were always the seasons that I enjoyed least with The Walking Dead. So with Riverdale, since it's such a small cast in comparison or of the main characters, it's such a small cast. When you compare that and you have two of the primary characters out in their sort of own little orbits, it just feels a little off to me. Now, that's not saying that the story isn't good. I think that Archie is a little bit too much yeah um <laughs> he's, but... he's all over the place i think that's a lot of his problem is i'm angry because you tried to kill my father and i'm taking everyone down me and my football guys and oh no jughead's in trouble i'm gonna start to save him too and oh betty's in trouble i'm gonna save her too you cannot be captain save a hoe pick pick please one person that you're gonna stick with and do that but don't be all over the place trying to save everybody and everything don't and uh, I like Veronica. I really like the actor who came in from The Good Wife. I, for a, mo- for a moment, I was, re- because I was playing catch up, I was live tweeting as I was like watching it. And I literally put out um, Nick St. Clair plus Cheryl equals intriguing, something like that. And then like mm-hmm. five minutes later, mm-hmm. he drugs her and um, attempts to rape her. And I'm That's like, well, fuck there goes that because they those two i like when i saw them together i i had a flash of chuck and blair and i was like oh now there's a couple who have potential to cause all kinds of problems for a very long time within five minutes 10 minutes at most that was all shattered. So for me, that was a disappointment because everybody knows how much I love Cheryl. That's the reason why we have Cheryl as a category title in our year end podcast, which just in case you guys haven't checked your emails, you already have the categories ready and waiting for you. We do. Uh, Yes. I sent those out last week. So you have plenty of time. Does this mean you're going to send them out again? No, it means you're going to check your email, which you don't read very often. I think you should check it again. Um, You should send it again, Luke. That would be a really good idea. um, I'm just making sure I'm giving everybody plenty of time for year end podcasts. Um, To be fair, Luke sent us like five emails at the same time. And I was like, oh, now I'm confused. Well, okay. So Fair I got enough. on today but, and I was like, I really don't know what we're talking about, but there I'm are ready. different subjects on lines on those emails. So fair enough. Um, I'm with the Berlanti verse shows for me, I'm a little bit behind on some of them. I hear that legends is going really well. I'm yes. expecting Dan to fill me in on what I may have missed or, or what you're thinking of it. And also I'd love to get your, both of your thoughts on Riverdale. So um, I guess, I guess I had started with Mel asking her about Riverdale. Mel, and you go with Riverdale and then, and then you go to Dan, okay. then we'll go to Dan. Okay. Um, Riverdale. So I actually got caught up on Riverdale this morning. So I knew we we're going to do this podcast. So thank you, Mel. Okay. I appreciate I, the input and effort. I, you see, I'm making an effort. It's better than I usually do. Okay. <laughs> So, anyways, Riverdale. So, while I am enjoying this season, I do agree with Luke when he says there's a problem. Like, it's not 
flowing as well as it did last season. Um, and I do think it's because everyone's so separated. And I think, too, while you have a lot of the problem with Jughead, I think this is kind of the push that character needed. Is like, if you're going to do the whole serpents thing, this is what you're going to do. Anything is better than him being dark and brooding at Pops Cafe. Ugh, I was over all that. So the fact that he's actually kind of doing something, I think he annoys me less. And I used to like to watch The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. You're doing something. I like this. My problem comes in with Betty. I'm like, okay, so the Black Hood calls you from this unknown number, and we are in the year of our Lord, 2017, and you have not been like, hmm, maybe I should attempt to find out what number he's calling me from. Maybe I should try to trace this number. Maybe I should do that, because that's what I would do, but mm, who knows? I'm not Betty. So she's talking to him, and the Black Hood wants her to... Cut ties with all of her friends one by one. Okay, the scene with Veronica was okay. Then she chickened out on dumping jug- Jughead by sending Archie to do it. Then we come to the creme de la creme. The scene where she goes to see exactly who the Black Hood is. Because every time the Black Hood asks her to do something, she gets to act the Black ask the Black Hood a question. So, of course, she finally asks him, who are you? I want to know who you are. So, she goes to this abandoned house. There is a box with a red bow on it. I think that's significant. Uh, There's a box with a red bow on it. She opens it. There's a hood on it. And... The, she's on the phone with the Black Hood, and he says, put it on. She's like, why? And I'm like, this has Lifetime movie written all I, over See, it. I was thinking <laughs> Pretty Little Liars. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. And I was like, okay, wh- what's going to happen? She opens the hood. They're going to knock her out, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, turn around. She turns around, and there's a mirror on the wall. And I wish y'all could have heard the laugh that escaped my mouth <laughs> because it was hysterical. I was like, if this ain't some soapy shit, we are the same. Look at us, we're the same person. I'm like, who writes this? <laughs> who came up with this scene? No, don't do that anymore. So I, a lot of it too is, it's supposed to be scary and I'm supposed to be intrigued by it, but I'm like, this is silly. This is not scary. I do not feel fear for my characters. This is silly. I liked it better when the Black Hood was off shooting people. Archie's dead. That was good. That was good drama. I feared for my characters' lives. I didn't know what was going to happen. Betty having to go and tell her friends off and staring the uh, mirrors with a Black Hood. and all, uh, That's a little too silly for me. I like all the stuff, however, going on with Veronica and her daddy. Yes. And Hermione. Mark Consuelos. And Alice Cooper. Because, yes. baby, when Alice Cooper walked in yes. with that cat suit on, I said, yes, ma'am. And a you snake necklace. I had to snap all the way down because she was killing it. And I like that we found out that Alice Cooper used to be a serpent. And um, Mark Consuelo's character know what's going on with that. And her mama knows. And everybody's like, shh, we don't talk about that. I'm like, no, I need y'all to talk about that because what's going on? So... <laughs> It's a lot of good drama so, with the parents. I like that stuff a lot too. I will have another complaint though, because there has not been enough Josie. That's what I was yes. just gonna get to. Yes. Because, because they promised us. They said, no, we hear y'all. We we understand. We gonna put Josie and the pussycats on more. It's gonna be a lot more Josie and everything. And they lied. 
They lied to me because it has been hardly any Josie, just like the last season. So I'm like, where is she? Is she going to show up more? And when she is on, they only have her on for like five minutes. And I'm like, this is trash. She, she is supposed to be part bar- of the main cast. She where shows is up she? For the perf- she shows up for the performances and to get chewed out by her mom. Exactly. And I'm like, this is messed up. Like, I need more, Josie. What? Come on. Though when Robin Gibbons' character, uh, Josie's mom, came through as the mayor in the school with the cops, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a little badass. I just, that's my other complaint is that there is not enough Josie. You promised me more. I don't have more. I don't like it. Okay. Dan, what are your thoughts on Riverdale this season? I'm, I'm with Mel 1000% on this. It's ridiculous. They have her in like the scenes, but she's not actually talking. And the, like the stories aren't about her. The, the coolest thing that we've gotten to see is Josie and the Pussycats and Veronica put the beat down on Nick St. Clair. That was badass. That was awesome. They read him like a book. That was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. Um, I I agree with you guys 100% when it comes to like everything being a little disjointed. It feels like Jughead's on this island, but also there's like this weird regionalism aspect to it where it's like we're not supposed to be looking down on the south side even though the north siders, a lot of the adults are um from the south side. From mm-hmm. the yeah, from mm-hmm. the south side. So like I I get that. That makes sense. Um I just, I wish they would get to that bridge where they start to turn and realize that, like, hey, maybe the South Side isn't so bad. Maybe there are redeeming qualities. Well, and my question was, like, okay, so you shut down the school. Where are all those kids going to go? Are they going to come to the North Side school and just infest that? The rationale there didn't quite make sense to me, but keep going. I apologize. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no, like, from a logic standpoint, the mayor runs a town with a north side and a south side and probably an east and west side. We we just don't know that. Um, but and at where some point are, they'll all be singing Grease songs. Yeah, where where are these kids going to go? What, what's what's going to be the deal here? How, how are you going to keep the peace between all of these different groups of people from different socioeconomic backgrounds? They're while... also not trying to help these kids because they know the situation of that school and everything going on. The only thing they want to do is throw them in jail instead of help. But anyways, yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. No, yeah, absolutely. That's ridiculous. That, like, that undermines, like every value that you have when you take a public office like Josie's mom is not necessarily doing herself any favors both from like a re-election standpoint because you have half of a town not wanting to vote for this person and from just like a moral standpoint where you're kind of leaving an entire group of people high and dry um it's it's ridiculous but and- aside from that also like I, I need to talk about Archie for a hot second because he like his impulsiveness and airheadedness are really like sending him down some bad paths and it doesn't help that he has Reggie in his ear because Reggie is getting more story than Josie is this season and I'm not okay mm. with it. Um like that's not okay. This is a recast. Like, I understand you need to ease him in. You you don't have to throw him in the deep end. Please don't. Like, that's not that's not good. Um, and, I, like, as much as I'm glad to see, like, them kind of 
introducing more of like Moose and Midge and all of these like peripheral Archie characters that we've sort of know from history and stuff like that. Um, it like I I kind of just want like Kevin got a cool story. Like I I really like that. Um, let, can can we do a, a cool story for Josie and maybe Val? Like I feel like they sort of dropped the fact that Val and Archie dated. Like that was just sort of forgotten. That that needed to be brought up. I'm like I'm glad that they got rid of Grundy, even though that death was brutal. That was really like that was harsh. That was wow. Um, and now that Polly. The actress who plays Polly, I want to say, is recurring on another show, so they had to, like, write her off. I, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the deal is with if they're going to go back to Polly, because, like, we spent the entire year b- obsessing over Polly and Jason and these babies and all sorts of things like that. And even Cheryl, like the Blossom family as well. And the Blossoms had their first episode this past week. We're like five to six episodes in, and the sh- the Blossoms have their first episode this week. All right. This is this is the story we're telling? Really? You know, we, we can't do more to, you know, fix things on the South Side, maybe with, you know, the money of, like, because this tiny town has several bazillionaires. Like, I understand we make fun of this a lot in soaps where, like, okay, you know, cosmetics company in Wisconsin, all right. Um, but we have the Lodges and the Blossoms, who, and even the McCoys, because Josie's dad is like this wealthy, um, you know, musical artist. And we can't do anything to stimulate the economy or clean up an area or, you know, promote education in a high school that is struggling just to get by. We can't do any of this stuff. Instead, we have to figure out who the Black Hood is, which I, there's a lot of fan theories. Some think it's Sheriff Keller. Other people think it's um, Chick, Betty's brother, Chick. Um but I just I'm I'm at a loss for words. It's it's been a very disjointed season, which is very difficult because this is the one show that like I can get people into. Like I'm actively telling people, no, you have to watch this show. And then the second season rolls around and like the the singular characters are good, but they're not being put into good storylines and it's so frustrating to see. Well, folks, I hate to interrupt here. Um, I'm editing this on Thanksgiving morning to get this out before I go eat some turkey. And I discovered that somewhere in the middle of the episode, my audio went out when we recorded on Sunday. So I'm going to be doing some cutting and splicing here. You're basically going to see a one, uh, possibly a one-sided discussion with Dan about the Berlandiverse shows. He makes some great points, so I didn't want to cut it out. So you're going to basically hear a one-sided thing, and then I'm going to cut and paste the ending from another show into the end. So I hope you're having an awesome Thanksgiving. Here continues the one-sided discussion of the Berlantiverse. As far as Hartley Sawyer is concerned, holy cow, this show needed Ralph Dibney. Like, they needed someone to play the heavy where, like, he he's kind of just a dick. 
he like he's just like a big jerk and he he's misogynistic and he's all of these things but we get to see him change slowly as things go along and he's got street smarts and he has like a chip on his shoulder we really needed a character like that because everyone in Team Flash has been so cookie-cutter for so long, even though they're just as flawed with their secret-keeping and, like, time-changing and all of these things. That It's just it's a breath of fresh air to have someone that calls things out as he, he sees them. I loved when he crashed Barry's bachelor party and sent them to the strip club and... He like he he was the best customer there because he had his name on the wall, and then they had to like, I I don't know he, he like the way he uses his powers is just it's so entertaining, and so like because it's how like a regular person might use their powers where it's like oh hey look there's this tip jar over there, or like they're. There are a lot of people out there that are just kind of like regular people, and if this were to happen to them, they might not necessarily gravitate toward good right away. They might need a push in that direction, and that's what Barry's for, um, which is kind of cool. Um, I But back to like when I said, oh my gosh, they did an entire episode dedicated to like them as teenagers – figuring out Kara's powers and, like, solving a mystery in in their hometown and stuff like that. And it's so good. Oh, my gosh, is it so good. And it, it has nothing to do with, like, you know, aliens or metas or anything like that. It's just, like, a murder mystery that they solve. And that is cool. Like, I... I really enjoyed it. I I think they're doing a great job. They, they definitely... Missed a few beats um, in the Alex and Maggie storyline. I that that really hurt. Like seeing those characters torn apart like that. That that was rough. Um, and fans were not happy in the slightest. But I I like what they're doing with um, with John Jones and his dad. That's pretty cool. I I really enjoyed the episode that they they did where they focused on. Like that cult that was created that praised Akara, um, and how that like that thought process can be it isn't inherently bad, but can be used for bad purposes. That was like a really touching episode. Um, overall, it's been a, a mixed season for Supergirl, but I'm really excited for the crossover stuff, so that should be good. Uh, with Arrow. It's it's been interesting. Um, I I don't like Felicity and Oliver still. Uh, I'm, but I think Felicity coming around to William is a lot more palatable than just f- like Felicity having a problem with Oliver having a kid. Because like that, that just I don't know that that felt like Felicity had a bad relationship with her mom because her mom was really not around super ton. So you're going to reject someone else's kid felt a little hollow. Um, but they're fixing that, which is good. Uh, I'm not digging Diggle as green arrow and I'm really not digging this, uh, this drug storyline where he sort of needs drugs to steady his hands because there's, there's a lot of people out there with like tremor problems, um, 
Uh, and I, I'm just, I, I don't think that reigns true for them. Uh, I, just as someone who has experienced this kind of stuff in his own life, that, that, that's not the case. There's, there's prescribed medications that you can use. You don't have to resort to drugs. This is not reigning true. Um, but, um, I, overall it's been, it's been all right. It's been fine. Um, I'm, Legends, Legends has been awesome. Legends has been a lot of fun. It's been interesting seeing Rip and the team kind of clash at different angles, and I'm really glad that the Time Bureau is backed off because now we can just have the fun times. Um, I'm really liking how Ray is kind of the uh, gatekeeper of all things Vixen and Kwasa now because of how he fought with them and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm really liking Amaya's storyline with Kwasa. I like this incarnation of Damian Dark a lot better, and I really like that the team is just kind of like, well, we could have fixed the timeline, but this guy is threatening to kill us, so we're going to kill him back, and I'm going to get my sister back. Which, hopefully, that is the case, because I would really appreciate uh, real Laurel and not Earth 2 Laurel. Um, I, I mean, I enjoy Earth 2 Laurel, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm just... This version of Damien Dark is really good. I'm really enjoying how they incorporate Nora, his daughter, as like this um, this other warlock witch kind of character. Um, I I'm really digging it, and I really enjoy the uh, Wonder Woman callback that they did on the last episode, where Zari, the new character, uh, decided to drop off Helen of Troy on uh, the Amazonian island. Uh, just because she was like, all of these men are fighting over me constantly. Wars are being raged, and I, I'm not allowed to do anything about it. And I, I'm just, I'm sick of it all. Why, why are you sending me back to this place? And she's like, well, fine. I won't send you to that place. I'll send you here. This probably won't affect the timeline very much. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, it probably will. But, I mean, to what extent? Who knows? Um uh, she's been really cool. I really liked the little kid Ray episode. That was interesting because it did the callback with the uh, Dominators. Um, overall, it's been a great season, and I'm really excited for the crossover. And Entertainment Weekly put out 97 photos from the crossover. That is not an exaggeration. That is an exact number. It's ridiculous. Um, the wedding should be cool. I'm a little scared for Legends, though, because the time slots are moving and Black Lightning is taking Legends' time slot and Legends is delayed until February and they're moving days. That's always a bit scary when that starts happening because then you don't know what's going to happen. I'm afraid they might island it since Supernatural and Arrow are kind of a package at this point. We would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find Melody at Melody Akles. Dan is the real Dan Pierce. And I'm Luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. See ya. Bye, y'all.